Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Road World Football Show. I am Patrick Darty, joined by Mr. Lawrence Jackson and Kyle Dvorak. It is somehow already week six. We're going to be talking our weekly rankings conundrums. Uh, the Jaguars backfield may be mentioned. Tony Pollard, who we haven't known how to rank for three years, may be mentioned. Aaron Jones, we haven't known how to rank for two years, may be mentioned. We're going to get to a lot of the hot button players from this week. But we'll start, as usual, with Monday Night Football, a little recap from a crazy game, one where the Raiders went up 17-0, and then for the second time this year, blew a 17-0 lead. Devontae <laughs> Adams did something maybe he shouldn't have. He did a bunch of stuff he should have during the game, scoring two monster touchdowns, then he shoved a guy who was real sad about it and like saying he's going to call the cops or something. And then uh, we got the Josh McDaniels and Andy Reid, I think maybe kind of overthinking things, trying to please us computer boys, Kyle. <laughs> Two-point conversions. Uh, I mean, I don't even know where to start with this game. It was a wild, wild, wild game. Uh, well, Andy Reid wasn't trying to please anyone. I can tell you that. Uh, <laughs> he was quite disappointing. I, I do agree, though, the McDaniels thing. Uh, definitely. But, like, you could see how it would have worked out. They get a shot to get the win at first, and then they had a very real shot. Like, if we were, like... Uh, you know, two or three inches of toe touching the ground different on Devontae Adams at the end. It's they true. Get, they get two shots at winning that game. And like Daniel Carson's a good kicker. They probably do end up winning it if we get the Devontae catch. So like I, that one made sense to me. I don't know for sure it was the right decision. I, I kind of think it was. Um, Andy Reid's still kind of a kind of a goober when it comes to anything other than designing really cool offenses. Like the individual plays, the sequencing of the plays, slam dunk, great stuff. Hire someone else to do other things. Jesus, Andy. Yeah, he's not good at the overarching strategy. Lawrence, I mean, what, what do you even say after that game? Just the, uh, just the, uh, like, like I said, odd game. I actually saw some type of a stat earlier that showed how a team who had a lead as big as the Raiders, 17 zip, had a quarterback with no turnovers, had a 150 <laughs> yard rusher, had a 100 yard receiver. And still lost the game with all of that. <laughs> so is that the first time in NFL history that's happened? Maybe. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. You had a hundred yard receiver, hundred fifty yard rusher, quarterback with no turnovers, and you had a seventeen point lead. Never happened until last night, and and now here we are uh, with Patrick Mahomes doing it again. The seem like the master now coming back 
from 10 plus point leagues and this one was one that the Raiders really had to have. Like you don't you don't want to go down one to four one and four in this division when you know what the Chiefs are gonna do. The Chargers have won a couple of games in a row. So now you sitting there looking at the Denver Broncos right in the face and saying, <laughs> Who's gonna be the sorriest team in this division? <laughs> Somehow the Raiders feel way less sorry than the Broncos. Like the Broncos it's, had especially after last night, too. Yeah. Yeah, like oh yeah. I mean, think about like Thursday night football versus Monday night football, like Raiders went out, gave it their all, played a really good game. They hung in there with Patrick Mahomes. Mahomes did Mahomes stuff. I think all four of their games have been uh, one possession losses so far, if I remember correctly. Uh, Whereas the the expectations for Russell Wilson under, you know, escaping the oppressive thumb of Pete Carroll was that, oh, he's nuking. He is going off. Mm -hmm. And his receivers are maybe just as good, certainly have the potential to be just as good. The running backs, great. The offensive line, not bad. And a great defense. And it's just all coming apart. At the, it all already came apart at the seams. So to me, at least, like the Raiders feel like they could have been a three and two team at this point. The, the Broncos feel like they should be the one that's one and four. They should be on five. Man, they're terrible. Yeah, Lawrence, you kind of alluded to it. The Raiders and Broncos are basically about to get locked in a closet, like each handed a knife, and like someone turns off the lights, and like it's like a battle royale for Duke, them. Duke it out. And we can't leave out the fact that. You know, we all know Travis Kelsey had the four touchdowns, but to do it on 25 total receiving yards. I think that's, that's the fewest yards for a four touchdown player ever. And I think it's by right. a measure of something like 70 yards. That's like, a G move for sure. <laughs> <laughs> you show up and just score your touchdowns, go back to the sideline. No questions yeah. asked. Uh, yeah, Kyle, to your point, Raiders one and four. The Broncos two and three. The Raiders losses have been by five, six, two and one points. Um, like the Raiders have actually played good football games, whereas the Broncos have yet to play a single good football game. And uh, man, the two point conversion thing with the Raiders, I actually do think is the right call against the Chiefs. Um, but I just think, in general, still these teams underestimate like the psychological devastation of not getting it, which I know is a really boomer argument. But you go from you know, like we're literally in this game to okay, we're still losing. And I guess the Chiefs and Arrowhead Stadium, you have to like do everything possible. I actually did agree with the last night, but I do think they're getting out over their skis a little bit. And I, it is almost like they're trying to please like uh, like NBC Sports Edge, like Patrick yeah, Crane. Yeah. They're trying to right. please the spreadsheets. Us, yeah, us in yeah. particular. Yeah, and I don't know, man. They can probably rein in it a little bit. <laughs> but <laughs> if, if, I, I, I would have said, you know, I would have agreed with it if it was, you know two minutes left rather than four plus minutes chiefs didn't end up scoring again you know so it's yeah, it, it, it's always hindsight 2020 if they make that and they end up winning the game we talking about josh mcdaniel's different we talking about the raiders done turned the corner now they're one and four and that's what we're going to talk about I think to yeah, Kyle's think, point, too. Oh, you go, Kyle. Yeah, I think if they do end up uh, going up one point, would it be 31 30? Uh, like, we don't get, like, you know, Clyde Erd Slayer, second and four run, blown up in the backfield or whatever. Like, they, they probably just let Patrick Mahomes do the thing where there's a few minutes left in the game and he just goes, like, he probably leaves too much time. Like, that's actually like what we saw with, like, the Josh Allen versus Mahomes thing. Allen was too good and he gave Mahomes, what, 15 seconds? And, like, that's the thing. I think if the Raiders end up going up 31 30, uh, it's not. I don't think they have like won the game already. But anyways, there's, I, there's, there's like so much weird game theory, Kyle. Because I kind of feel like if they had tied it thirty thirty, like this is Andy Reid. He's just gonna turtle. 
Like he's not going to yeah. even, he's not going to yeah. be aggressive. He's not that's, be the, that's the going up six, uh, kicking the field goal when you're up three, going up six, lets your opponent know exactly what they need yeah, to yeah, do. Yeah, yeah. It, obviously, more points is good, and being up more than a field goal, in theory, sounds good. But going up six, especially like, you know if you're doing against good offense, you're like, oh, my opponent knows exactly what their wing condition is, and it's relatively easy to, to obtain, get a, get a touchdown. So like there are really interesting game theory elements about trying to understand. It's like poker, trying to understand. Yeah, yeah. What it really do, is poker-ish. What and, like, you do and how your opponent treats it and how that will make you treat it and there's the levels of levels of levels to it and that is why even in poker sometimes like even the best players won't do the best possible ev yeah. move much much more often in, po- in poker there's usually far fewer excuses to not do the <laughs> most ev move as there is in football but it's still yeah just try it. it's it's i kyle i agree i think we would be talking about even more had the raiders the raiders it did work out they were in position to win and he's couldn't one of the best players in the league is quite very narrowly could not get two feet in bounds before we move on to like our general rankings concerns. Uh, Kyle, I'll start with you on this one. I just like where, I don't know who to trust in this chiefs offense right now. Like in the receiver core, we got MVS's best game on Monday night. We got Juju eight more targets, but going nowhere. We got sky Moore continuing to dip a toe in. Like, are there any trends? Is there any, Anyone to be excited about this receiver core is like, do we have to keep waiting for this to play out? I mean, once again, once again, we saw Juju and MVS run all of the routes uh, as we expect or near, you know, nearly all the routes. Actually, I do think they might've run a route on nearly every drop back or at least been on the field for that. And that's, what's been the case the whole year. Uh, those two are clearly on the field for most, if not all two and three wide receiver sets. And the same thing happened last week where Mikol is the rotational third. The only thing that is like really developing in terms of who's running the routes and really who's getting the targets because Juju and MVS have been getting most of the targets among the wide receivers and just not doing a lot with it. The only real development is that Sky Moore keeps creeping up, creeping up last week or well now two weeks ago was the first time he out out routed uh, Justin Watson. And then now he gets on the field and does even a little bit more. And we saw they were using him really when they needed to move the chains to seal out that game and then they didn't end up doing it but they were putting him on the field in a very high intensity high pressure situation he looked good when he was out there too so maybe there's something going on there like obviously there is but he's not seeing the field enough to be even on the fantasy radar close so to me like i'm actually i kind of think mvs is a little interesting we saw him finally like you said have have his best game so i'm a little excited optimistic about mvs Juju just looks cooked, and that makes sense. He he's been one of the like he's, one he's of the old. Least, he's so so old. He, he's so twenty four, and he's been in the league for nine years already. Uh, so I, I think Juju's he hasn't been an efficient receiver on a per route basis since twenty eighteen, and that isn't changing with the the Chiefs. And the Chiefs should be the place where any receiver can excel. So like Juju's just cooked. I, that's like all you can look yeah. at whenever whenever you watch him play. He looks slow. He's not getting much separation. He's hey, not making on, acrobatic man. catches. Like he'll probably pop up for some more good games unless they bench him. He will probably have a good game at some point, but like, do I know when it's going to be? It's going to be the, it's going to be the Travis Kelsey game, 25 yards and four touchdowns. Cause he's not making big plays. So, you know, you'll regret benching him one time over the next five weeks and you'll feel better about it. Having done it for the next, the other four. Lawrence, your eyes lit up at Kyle suggesting Juju could get benched. I was I was just thinking like, man, we've come to this where that is even, you know, getting brought up. That's just wild. But instead of, you know, 
me trusting or feeling like I could trust any of these Kansas City receivers. I'm going to just keep on trusting the guy that throw to the receivers when he said he said that it would be different guys every week. And that's pretty much what it's been. And I don't even know if there has even been a guy yet ex- besides Travis Kelsey. Obviously. Yes, Travis Kelsey plus anyone, literally anyone yeah. on the roster, except, of course, not Juju, who they paid some money to, not MBS, who they paid a lot of money to. Yeah, you've seen him come out, get the eight targets, six catches for 90 yards. That's cool. He probably ain't doing that next week, though. But somehow Patrick Mahomes going to throw for it's. It's like Patrick Mahomes, all right, boom, you go out here, throw for 300 yards, but all your receivers got 50 yards or less. <laughs> like, how does what's going on around here? You throw four touchdowns, you threw them all to the tight end. So it's like I'm mad I done drafted Juju in some of my leagues. Man. Yeah, me too. I really – I thought he was about to get off in this offense, man, especially the type of the the type of role that he's played uh, and excelled at when he played next to Antonio Brown. You figure, hey, now they got Travis Kelsey here. So you got someone to take the the pressure off. Well, he ain't he don't he ain't getting no pressure. He's he I think he dropped his first target last night. So it was, it's just like, yeah, and like Kyle say, we will regret benching him one of these weeks. But the week after that, we probably going to just be like, oh, now, okay, I see what was yeah. going on. Yeah, I've issued several mea culpas already, culpas on being high on Juju. It's so weird because he, he's getting the workload I expected. But like as Kyle alluded to, I just overestimated what the upside of Juju would be on that workload since he's apparently cooked. And in the backfield, I was going to ask you guys about the backfield. There's really nothing to ask, actually. It seemed like Isaiah Pacheco had become the number two back. But lo and behold, they fall behind 17 to nothing. That equals Jarek McKinnon coming back in the game. Isaiah Pacheco's two big games have been when they were killing the Cardinals in week one and when they totally controlled the pace of play against the Bucks in week four. And it just looks like anytime the game's in doubt, anytime hurry up mode, anytime like pass happy mode, it's still going to be Jarek McKinnon ahead of Isaiah Pacheco. I think, you know, and then Clyde Edwards Elaire trying to score two touchdowns on 12 touches and 40 yards from scrimmage. And he almost had his touchdown. He got he got stopped at the one. And I was just we was gonna have to change his name to Clyde Touchdowns Alaire. So. <laughs> I, I would refuse to do that. <laughs> but actually, though, he is a friend of the show. I keep always forget that. He's been on <laughs> the Road to World Football show. So enough about Monday Night Football, even though there's some rankings talk in there. Uh four teams on by this week. Injuries mounting. I did my initial ranking sweep this morning. It's the first week where kind of the landscape just looks like totally different, where I'm moving guys up several tiers. Guys are just falling several tiers. Like things are starting to really, really shake out. But then, Lawrence, there's still some guys where we don't know what to think. We don't know what to do. Uh, Who are you having trouble with at running back? As we enter week six. and uh, it, It's a guy that you didn't think we'd have much trouble with uh, is Aaron Jones. He's actually overall right now, he's at running back 13. And that's kind of people had him in that range coming into the season. Uh, in that maybe literally eight, eight to 13 range. The only thing about this is. Him being the 13th best running back in fantasy right now is being boosted by week two in which he was running back two overall. In that game, he scored two touchdowns. In no other week has he scored a touchdown. In fact, his other weeks, if you take away that week two, he's running back 29, 49, 19, 
and 32. If oh. you took Aaron Jones's name off of those numbers, you would not say, hey, you wouldn't even say that was A.J. Dillon. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> but we're talking about Aaron Jones right here. So now it's like, what, what do we got here? You know, now they playing the Jets. They get the they went from losing to the Giants. Now they get to test their, you know, now they get to test themselves again against the other winning record New York team. <laughs> yeah, Lawrence, you live in the cradle of football. Yeah, you're right. Um, yeah, I'm 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 loving winning life out here. Everybody's happy right now. <laughs> Danny Dimes and Zach Wilson. But um, yeah, now uh, in a, in a matchup against the uh, the Jets coming up. I, I have to feel like this is a bounce back week for him. Raheem Mostert just went for 113 yards on this Jets team despite them getting smoked. Um, so you got to feel like something is there with Aaron Jones this week, but at the same time, it hasn't been. So I don't know where to rank him. Yeah, I mean, Kyle, Aaron Jones, he's honestly getting the workloads we expected. It's not like we expected Aaron Jones to be like a 20 touch player, but. He's gotten at least uh, 15 touches each of the past four weeks. He's gotten up around 18 to 19 touches several times, but there was the, even with the, the Packers receiver core chaos, the increased receptions just are not materializing. He's not caught more than three balls in any one game. As Lawrence said, the touchdowns haven't been there. That, that's probably because it's like the offensive environment is not as good as we are expecting with the green Bay Packers and, like I'm keeping like the top 18 faith, Kyle, but do we have to readjust on Aaron Jones or can we just keep waiting this out? I mean, top 18, we got four teams on by and running back injuries everywhere. Isn't even that high of a bar to clear, but it does feel like to me, barring the the sort of like chunky long runs back to back to back, like he did versus Chicago, there just isn't a ceiling here because they're splitting all the carries and AJ Dillon's been pretty good as a pass catcher. He's still not getting like the bulk of the pass catching work by any means, but we're not seeing the the splits without Devontae Adams type of deal for Aaron Jones. He's just doing what he did when they had Devontae Adams the whole time, running some routes, but still playing the traditional, mostly all the snaps coming at running back type of role. And, and to me, on this offense that's not absolutely boat racing the league in points, that's not really a particularly high value role. So I still think top 18 is a bar he can clear because like, just simply getting it, you know, three catches in all but one game, like that's free PPR. Like, assuming you're playing in a PPR league, that's like five or six points plus the yardage uh, every single week, which is a already a pretty good stepping stone to being a top twenty running back. But splitting the backfield with a guy who's good at the goal line now is showing better chops as a pass catcher, and they're totally comfortable with giving like the bulk of the carries. Last week was in fact the first time in the year we had seen Aaron Jones get more carries than AJ Dillon. That's like such a, a big ceiling capper. And yet, just to be clear, I actually have him on the RB1-2 borderline still this week, mostly just because of the touches, because like the guys who he's competing with, Brees Hall, you can make an argument maybe to rank ahead of him, Jeff Wilson, David Montgomery, Miles Sanders, Raheem Mostert, maybe Kenneth Walker, Najee Harris is plummeting down the ranks. It's just tough scene right now. Yeah, I was made fun of last week on this show, and I was like, I'm not ranking Najee Harris as a top 20 oh, running back. Man, man what an idiot I was. I know. I what can you funny for points? that? Because we all had him at 18. How much fun did we make of you? Yeah, I don't know. But I actually don't remember that, Kyle, to be honest. I was, yeah, I was, I was like, I don't think I'm ranking him the top 20. And you're like, you can't go that low. Come on. Yeah, I mean, I was probably just sad. There, there, there was another guy who ranked him at running back 30. That's, that's a, 
That's a real smart guy because man, <laughs> I didn't know that. Long. Yeah. Nice and it's still too high. Yeah, <laughs> Jalen Warren might be ranked ahead of him soon. Uh, I said that sarcastically, but maybe it's not. Kyle, you wanted to talk about someone who, in the summer, I mean, we kind of didn't know where to rank, but we maybe hoped that after five weeks we would have a better idea of where to rank. But we don't. Uh, he plays for the Dallas Cowboys. What's his name? Tony Pollard. And Tony Pollard, like. I guess the thing is, like, I just want to keep complaining. Uh, complaining is one of my favorite things to do. Instead of ever feeling good about anything, same, uh, I'll just find something to be upset Lawrence about. Lawrence is a much more positive individual. Than yeah, I can't find that in my blood. I mean, to- <laughs> like, Tony Pollard averaging, like, 5.6 yards per carry. In the past three games, he's rushed for more yards than Zeke twice. He also has a higher receiving yardage game and is getting more work in the receiving game. And yet still, no surprise. How, how could we have seen any other outcome coming. Tony Pollard, electric with the ball in his hands, more yards after contact per attempt, more missed tackles forced per attempt, like higher, higher, more long runs, period. Not per attempt, just period. Just breaking longer runs uh, at a higher rate, not giving him the ball more than Zeke. Like he, they should give Zeke a fullback role. That'd be great for him. He'd do awesome. Come on, man. He'd be a good Kyle Juszczyk, right? Like, Big burly. He, he, does, he doesn't even catch passes anymore. He only has five catches. This he doesn't season. anymore. I still think maybe he'd be okay at it. But honestly, I don't even know if he'd be okay at it. Like well, Zeke can maybe sue you for libel, by the way, Kyle, for comparing him to Kyle Juszczyk, just to be clear. No, I think he should write me a check for comparing him to such a good player. Oh, my gosh. No. I'm doing good. P- I'm doing pro bono PR for him, getting him <laughs> in the Kyle Juszczyk, Patrick Card tier of players. Uh, like, and, and the thing is, I guess, how much can like last week – going for 11 yards per carry three weeks ago, going for eight yards per carry, uh, like the, the four catch 55 yard game, finding the end zone twice already. How much can that hold up for Tony Pollard? Because we know he's not getting more than uh, like a dozen touches in a game would be a good outcome for him, but he looks so good every time he touches the ball. Can he really continue to be like a flex worthy play on nine, eight touches a game? Like, I don't know, but I want to, cause I like him. He's the three longest gains of the year for the Cowboys, by the way, Tony Pollard. Um, Lawrence, do you have any thoughts on the Zeke's workloads are actually going up? <laughs> he had hey, 19, hey, they have, yeah. 19 oh, carries in week four and then a season high 22 in week five. Uh, I, now, I feel like, you know, week five was due to the game strip. I almost felt like the the Rams never had a chance to be winning that game. Like no matter what was going on. I knew Dallas was winning that whole time. The thing about Pollard, um, you mentioned the the three longest gains of the of the year or whatever. It's you got these games like you just had, but you can simply go back to week four and it's eight carries for six yards. Week one, six carries for eight yards. Week two is okay, nine for forty-three. You know, that's what makes a ranking a dude like him that so tough. If he got Kareem Hunt workload, that would be then so it would good. be a lot easier. And even in the in the re, in the reception department, you know, he's had four in one game, but the other three, one, two, and zero. That is is just wild, you know. So and and I think it's having to do um with the game script, and it's just it's just gonna keep him from being in our flexes, uh, being a trustworthy flex every week. I write an article about flex players every week. I'm scared to put him in there because he'll do something like what he just done, 
and then he could have eight carries for six yards and they just stop going to him or or what have you. And like you said, Zeke's uh, Zeke's workload is going up 10 carries, then 15, 15, 19 to 22. Like Zeke ain't going away. Um, so I, while I don't know which Dallas Cowboys to rank ahead, um, I really don't know where to rank this guy. So this was a good choice, Kyle. Yeah, I don't know that where you have. I'm like, what? Well, I'll say for this week, there's maybe I'm keeping him kind of like in the Cream Hunt zone. I have him behind Cream Hunt. He's currently the RB27 because, like you said, you get the six carry eight yard performances, but he's in the company of a lot of backs who are like that. And unlike a lot of those backs, he does have like the 80 to 90 yard upside. I feel like they're going to need his changeup ability more this week against the elite Eagles defense. And just, just looking forward, you would hope that Tony Pollard's overall offensive environment improves when Dak Prescott comes back, even though apparently, you know, I don't know, Cooper Rush is apparently great, uh, really good. Yeah, he, um, was he, what, he doesn't know what it's like to lose. No, he does not. And But, man, you got to keep – you have to keep Tony Pollard in, like, the top 28 because, like, RB 30 to 40 range, it's it's people who we have like some things about them, but it's like Rashad White. Yeah, Michael Carter, Cam Akers, Mike Boone, Brian Robinson, right. Alexander Madison. And we'd go Pollard over all of those yeah. easily. So you yeah. got it. Despite those horrible, the horrible week potential, you have to keep them in like the top 30. And some, I mean, you could almost argue the top 24. Top 24 is a stretch, but top 28 and just like pray something good happens basically because he does have weak – he has weak flipping potential with his big play potential. Just real quick at running back, I wanted to ask you guys about Travis Etienne against James Robinson. James Robinson seemed like he had taken control of this backfield, like really heavily out-snapping Travis Etienne in weeks two and three. But now it's flipped back to Etienne over the past two weeks as game scripts have gone haywire for the Jaguars. Week five, like, profiled as a good week for James Robinson because it seemed like they'd be playing with a lead against a really bad run defense, and then that did not happen at all. Um, and I, should we should we already be making the flip to Etienne back ahead of James Robinson, Kyle, or should we keep the face against the Indianapolis Colts this week? Uh, should we make the flip again, or I, I've just or I, I don't I don't know what to be other than reactionary in the Jaguars' backfield, basically. I mean, I think the past two weeks, both losses show us something pretty clear that he's the he's the change of pace, the third down back. He de- third down back might be a little generous because James Robinson is a good blocker. But when this team needs a spark, it makes sense to get him on the field. I don't think they're going to need that this week. I still think despite coming coming off, quote, a win. I don't know if you call being the Broncos without scoring a touchdown a win or not. <laughs> but I guess I guess the, the official NFL stats somehow ruled that one is not a tie. So coming off of a win, I'm not buying anything of this Colts team. The last time these two teams faced off was a 24 nothing loss for the Colts. I think this should be the traditional use the, the two down banger type of back as much as you want to type of game. Whenever we think they're going to lose, I'm totally fine going back to Travis Etienne as a flex ish option, but uh, that doesn't look like the case this week. I think they'll probably lose. <laughs> there, there was the, the week that they played the Eagles. I thought he'd actually have a better game than what he had yesterday. Um, because I well they well they got out to the lead, then they ended up losing. But I thought he'd had a chance being, you know, that they were six and a half point dogs. I thought that was a good week for ETN. As it stands right now, for me, it's going just back to it being, you know, it looks like a 50-50 committee. 
when, when you talk about when you just talk about the touches part of it. Uh, ETN did get five targets, but James Robinson was able to get a couple of targets that he caught himself. So coming into the season, it seemed, especially week one, we kind of knew that like James Robinson got the touchdowns week one, but it was still pretty even. The next couple of weeks, James Robinson looked like a solid, solidified RB2 in fantasy. And now it pretty much just kind of shifted back to what we thought it was originally. And that's a, you know, a regular running back timeshare where on any given week, each guy could be the guy. This week, ETN had the 30-yard run. He was that guy. And going forward against the Colts, I won't say what I said about week five. Like, oh, this is this is the Texans. James Robinson should run all over him. And he did it. <laughs> just like just like I should, he did it. So, you know, you just kind of now it's like, ah, man. Now they both flex dudes to me. Both flex plays at this point, man. I guess you just got to really think about what you think is going to happen in this game. And it'll probably be pretty close. Um, maybe I should keep the faith with James Robinson one more week, Kyle, because the Colts have not been impressive. But neither of the Jaguars. They've looked really, really horrible, actually, for several weeks now. Um, but we'll be right. It's a good time to reset the show. We will be right back after this. Dogs are an important part of our lives. That means protecting them from parasites. Ask your vet about NextGuard Plus, a Foxaloner, Moxidectin, and pyrantal chewable tablets. NextGuard Plus chews provide one-and-done monthly protection against fleas, ticks, heartworm disease, roundworms, and hookworms. Plus, they're delicious and easy to give. Use with caution in dogs with a history of seizures or neurologic disorders. Dogs should be tested for existing heartworm infection prior to starting a preventive. Ask about NextGuard Plus chews. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. And they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. Just a reminder, if you don't have the NBC Sports Predictor app, go download it now. The contests are free and easy to play, and you have a shot to win thousands this weekend by predicting what will happen in college football, on the NASCAR circuit, and in the Premier League. There's also $100,000 up for grabs by guessing the outcome between the Cowboys and Eagles in our Sunday Night 7 contest. Wide receiver, uh, I don't know where to rank any of them, Lawrence, but I'm just going to begin with you. And who are you having trouble ranking heading into Week 6? It's a player that I uh, feel like is a very good player and should be, his stock should be up. Uh, a guy who was wide receiver 119 in week one. He's now gotten up to wide receiver 22. That is Devontae Smith of the Philadelphia Eagles. The reason I'm having trouble is because there's some flip-flop weeks here. But, he, you know, 
with good reason. Um, like I mentioned, week one, just not a stat on the board. Wide receiver, maybe Julio was ranked higher than him in week one. Um, then you go week two. It's a bad week one. <laughs> yeah, you go week two. That's more what you expect of him, wide receiver 25. And then in week three, he went off for 169 and a touchdown, which made him the top receiver that week. The Eagles against the Jaguars was a bad weather game. Nobody kind of got – nobody got it going in the past again, so you could kind of excuse that. But then in week five, he got it back together. 11 targets, 10 catches, 87 yards. He he was actually um, a guy I wrote about as an optimal flex play last week. He delivered. Now he's sitting at wide receiver 22, and that's like – that's a solid spot for him, like as the Eagles – second option in the passing game, or maybe second option. I don't know. Dallas Goddard might have something to say about that. That's another reason it's hard to rank because you have Dallas Goddard as well, who's performing. So now it's like, now you got the bye weeks in there and it's just the question of whether like how high should he actually be ranked when you know this team can do volume passing. Kyle, with Devontae Smith, he's at, he's so he's cleared seven catches for at least 80 yards in three of his past four games, uh, with the exception, as Lawrence alluded to, the really bad weather game against the Jaguars. He actually has 72 more yards than A.J. Brown since week one. A.J. Brown had the 155-yard week one, and since then, Devontae Smith has been like consistently outproducing him. Of course, we're not ranking him higher than A.J. Brown still because – you can't just eliminate a 155-yard game for A.J. Brown since it's what he does. Like, he's a spiked week type of player. But I Kyle, I got him into the top 20 this week, Devontae Smith, wide receiver 19. It is a 42-and-a-half total with the Cowboys. It could be kind of an ugly game. It might be too high as I dive into it more. But just you know, how should the gap be continuing to narrow between A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith, basically? Yeah, that's a good way to put it. I'm not ranking him ahead of A.J. Brown, but over the past three weeks, he has a slightly higher air yard share and a target share of 29. And that's massive, 29% target share. A.J. Brown's still getting his to nearly a 40% air yard share and a 26% target share. Those are both really good numbers, and they can be that way because of outside of Dallas Goddard, this team is not really throwing to the, they're not throwing to the running backs at all. They're not throwing to any of the backup receivers. So we have at least gotten ourselves to a very clear top two of receivers and Dallas Goddard, not far behind, but still a third option for the team. The gap is narrowing, but on the air, like I don't think you can throw out week one, the fact that AJ Brown can go out and just be this black hole of targets, everything coalescing around him. I don't think you can throw that out, even though maybe it ends up being his high watermark for the year in terms of like total targets. He still has a lead in target share if you include go back to week one. So I think I'm still, you know, I'm still comfortably ranking him ahead. And depending on who's on bye week, I haven't checked yet, but he could end up falling sort of right down to maybe at, you know, the wrong side of the wide receiver one borderline. It's not an indictment of him. It's just a, a praise of the fact that Devonta Smith is earning his own in this team. Man, so you man, if AJ Brown falling out of the top twelve, huh? It's a tough scene maybe, out here. He'd be a fine, a fine, like you know, wide receiver thirteen. Lots of good receiver is the only position I feel good about. Like, yeah, the top twelve are kicking a right now. They're awesome. They kind of are, but it's also weird. Like, it's because with Keenan Allen out, it's kind of Mike Williams. You know, it's Mike Evans, Cortland Sutton, C.D. Lamb. Then it like kind of immediately gets weird. There's a player you're going to talk about, Kyle, by the name of Jalen Waddle, Michael that Pittman. T. Higgins a little lower this week because I don't know about his health yet. Uh, I don't know. Then Deontay Johnson. Or, 
fucking DK Metcalf. Like it gets weird, just to be frank. Um, I don't know. Those guys all sound pretty good to me. It's real. real I, weird. I like receivers, but well, why why are you struggling to rank Jalen Waddle, Kyle? I mean, I know why because it's very hard. But, yeah. Uh, <laughs> why in particular? I mean, unlike uh, Devonta Smith, who over the past few weeks, I still want to call him the wide receiver two on this team, but he is performing as if he might be the wide receiver one. We've seen none of that from Jalen Waddle. His target share has plummeted to 16%. I mean, they're they're using clearly Tyreek Hill as the wide receiver one. He also has a 9% air yards share deficit to Tyreek Hill, and the production, production just hasn't been there. Maybe it's a product of the groin, groin injury. He's been listed with that groin injury for a few weeks now. But, like, he doesn't look like he's moving slow. They're not, like, limiting his snaps or anything. And maybe it's the Gabe Davis thing where, like, you can still be on the field, but until you're 100% healthy, you just won't be able to create separation, get open, do the explosive things we're used to. Maybe it's that type of situation. Also, maybe it's the fact they've been, not by their own doing, rotating their quarterbacks, unfortunately. So there's a lot of moving parts with this team. Maybe once it stabilizes with Tua back under center sometime soon, we get normal clear top two duo and no one else on the team matters type of situation, but it's been all Tyree kill for three ish weeks. Lawrence, what do you, what do you have to add on Jalen Waddle? Cause it is, it, yeah, it's, it's, it's a weird situation with him. It's, it's definitely tough, man. They down to QB three and the, the numbers strictly show, you know, as soon as Tua left Jalen Waddle disappeared and I'll pretty much, you know, give it all to that, you know, uh, week one, 69 yards in the touchdown, you know about the week two where him and Tyree both went off. Week three against Buffalo, when the Dolphins didn't even run nothing but 39 plays, Waddle was the guy who got the 100 yards that day and not Tyreek Hill. As soon as uh, as soon as two, two attack of Loa was out of the game, you know, he's not done much since. And so, and, and I'll tell you this, even more specifically, in my personal leagues where I have him, I'm debating benching him based on who else I have on my roster until Tyreek Hill. I'm sorry, until Tua comes back, because it's like they going they what they showed in Week Five was that they're going to manufacture the targets to Tyreek Hill, and when you have a stat line like seven receptions for 47 yards, that shows you they were actively trying to get him the ball. It just didn't work. Like nothing was working for them offensively. So. It's, it's definitely tough. I can't just – I can't make myself rank him out of the top 24 knowing there's bye weeks and knowing what he really can do when he has the quarterback, but he ain't got the quarterback, but that's what make it tricky. Yeah, I think like Kyle kind of said, hopefully there's a Gabe Davis factor play where he's getting healthier. I think in theory he's avoided setbacks. But, yeah, Lawrence, like I originally had like a like – a, had him as like a high end wide receiver two this week. So I thought Tua was going to come back, but then Mike McDaniel was like very yeah. cagey on that on Monday. Yeah. It, it doesn't sound like, like gonna come, yeah. yeah. It sounds like it's going to be a week of Teddy. I mean, in theory, Jalen Waddle is a great player for Teddy Bridgewater. I, I, I am praying Teddy Bridgewater can come back and play. I, like, I don't, supposedly he wasn't concussed. So uh, we think it'll yeah, be Teddy Bridgewater. Yeah, he looks like he's good to play this week. We think it'll yeah. be Teddy Bridgewater over Skylar Thompson. Because it's yeah. a disappointing 45 and a half total right now for Vikings, Dolphins. Not like the worst total you've ever seen. But I think that would, Kai, what do you think that total would be if. Uh, Tua was like cleared to play this week. We would it be up to 50. I mean, that's probably way too close. Much I would say 48, 49. 
It'd be at least 47, 48, wouldn't it? Yeah, I, I think 47 would probably be the right number. I think two is worth at least like... Yeah, two is not worth four points. Yeah, but, yeah, exactly. Two is not worth four. 48-ish. But I think he's probably worth at least two points over uh, what we assume is Teddy. But I'd have to imagine this line has some small percentage chance that Skylar Thompson is the quarterback. So he I might think be probably, worth four over Skylar. He, he might be worth four over <laughs> Skylar. But I think the line is, is mostly assuming it, it's uh, it's not Skylar Thompson because that's... What it looks like right now, no no guarantees. I think he's worth maybe one and a half to two points over over um He's probably worth two Teddy. over Teddy. He's probably worth two over Teddy. But yeah, hopefully things just trend in the right direction for Waddle. I just really hope he had a groin that he's avoided setbacks, Lawrence, because he needs to be a top he needs to be a top sixteen receiver, Jalen Waddle. Yeah, he needs to be it, a high wide receiver too. It makes the whole offense better when you gotta worry about you know, two of those guys, but like, like I haven't seen nothing. Like one of you said earlier, he didn't look different. So I, I don't know, man, it just might be, I don't know. He missing that Alabama connection. He's just, it's any guy, unless you're Tyreek Hill, who has a quarterback proof attribute and his speed, he's the fastest guy in the NFL. Just any receiver, I guess is going to get killed by having three different quarterbacks in two weeks. And maybe yeah. that's just been a part of the, the quietness for Jalen Waddle. So the guy I wanted to talk about, uh, Christian Kirk, who we all went from joking about being the most overpaid player in the league, like, oh, maybe the Jags knew what they were talking about. Uh, suddenly he only has three catches for 71 yards over the past two weeks as opposing defenses and the weather have made life a living hell for Trevor Lawrence. And I just all, I all of a sudden feel like I don't know what to do with Christian Kirk. Zay Jones had a better week five. Uh, Evan Ingram had a better week five. Maybe defenses were kind of like fantasy managers and weren't taking Christian Kirk seriously enough. <laughs> I mean, that's probably unlikely, but uh, the production. So he was getting by on touchdowns too in weeks one through three. He wasn't getting by on like, like elite counting numbers. And it's, I mean, he's still a wide receiver too, right? But he's kind of falling to where I think I might have him outside the top 20 this week. Yeah, I think you've got a good read on it. Like you said, I think it was important to note that like, Although uh, he, in in a sense, was sort of living up to the lofty expectations contract gave him, it was because he was scoring and producing at like a high yards per target clip, not because he was. You would think if he's paid as like a top five guy, he'd be like a twenty eight percent target share, thirty percent target share monster, and he wasn't being a monster, right? He was playing efficiently, and that's still very good. You're happy, you know, if you're you know your Jags fan and you quote overpay for him, you're happy for him to be efficient. But ideally, if you pay a guy that much, he can also get a monstrous target share. And I don't think we're going to see that, uh, you know, the, the high production, medium, good, but not great target share sort of proves that. And I think because of that, you're going to get down weeks like the week when they when they can't beat the Houston Texans. They can't mount more than six points. If that happens, then it's probably going to be a tough week for him, especially if he's not, you know, that's what the, the medium target share means is that he's not game proof. He's not bad offense proof. So, you know, like I said, I expect them to bounce back versus the Colts as long as it's not strictly through the ground, which they haven't been a, a pure ground and pound team by any means. I think he'll bounce back, but we're being shown that you just can't coast on only efficiency to be like the wide receiver 15. Yeah, what what do we say? I mean, look, looking at the numbers here, he had the week one is the only week he's went over 100 yards so far. And then after that, like y'all mentioned, uh, living on the touchdowns, maybe we can break out those jokes again about him. You know what I mean? Maybe that's what it's time for. We just Think break the – Okay, hey, he, he, he was shutting us up the first three weeks. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we like, oh. And uh, meanwhile, you know, no one has him on the roster except that guy who drafted him by mistake in the ninth <laughs> and tenth true. round. 
And now, yeah, right. They was like, I told you, no, you, he failed to you. Don't say that. Uh-huh. I did. I stopped Christian Kirk falling a lot, and I felt really good about it for a few weeks. And but in Arizona, six catches for seventy-eight yards. That was a spiked week for Christian Kirk. We cannot have that be his spiked week. <laughs> right. But then when it comes with the two touchdowns, it's like, well, like, all right, we'll accept that. But then when you just step back, really open up the curtain, first three weeks he has six catches in uh in those for each in each of the first three games and when and, and that's not you know that's not ideal from a team's wide receiver one but he made it work with the touchdowns the question becomes do we expect him to be scoring well do we expect the Jaguars to keep scoring it looked like they was you know they started out well like oh Jaguars Jaguars might win the uh division now they're starting to look like the same old Jags so and you, you, we talked about ETN and Robinson earlier. The, the, the offense as a whole seems to be coming back down to earth. So that's probably why we're talking about him right now. But the Jags, by the way, this is a team really, really weird where they, they lost to the Commanders. They shut out the Colts. They destroy the Chargers. They destroy the Eagles for one half and then uh, lose very badly to the Eagles. And they lose to the Texans. Um, Unbelievable. Not quite sure. Stuff what to think of the Jacksonville Jaguars. Kyle, you aren't quite sure where to rank a first-round rookie who made his first career start in week five at quarterback. Yeah, Kenny Pickett's interesting because the Steelers are sort of doing, I mean, they were forced to, but they'll probably continue to be forced to do what they do with Ben Roethlisberger, which is like, we can't run the ball efficiently. Uh, teams, because we can't run the ball efficiently, uh, are, are able to put up points on us pretty consistently. Also, their opponents, like even when they had Ben Rosberger, they were facing Joe Burrow, Lamar Jackson. Like they were facing good teams on a consistent basis. We saw last week they faced a team that comes out with a 98 yard score, gets what a 67, I think, yard score from Dave <laughs> Davis. Only 62. Only 62. Oh, oh, my bad. My bad. My bad. Uh, <laughs> so when that happens, you get Kenny Pickett, I believe, attempting 52 passes last week. Well, it was 52 passes in his first career start. Probably not and, how they drew it up. Yeah. And he got over 300 yards, but I believe 80 or 84 of them came on a final two drives in which we had already seen Josh Allen pulled. Uh, he's like a middling to below average quarterback in EPA per play. But he's been aggressive. He's attempting deep passes. Even Mitch was doing this too. The offense has the players capable of of running deep down the field and making big plays. So he's going to be passing a lot. They play the Bucs this coming week. So it's not a great defensive matchup. But really at this point, maybe you are just banking on garbage time. Is garbage time smart to bank on? I, I don't know. But he's got the talent around him to do well. PFF has actually graded them as having a, an above average pass blocking offensive line, despite wow. sort of the offensive line was coming into the season. So he's set up to have uh, success. It's kind of just on him to do that now. And I, I'm not sure from what I've seen. I think I've watched both of his games so far. Sorry that about that. It's okay. I mean, one of one of them was uh, was the Bills one, and half of that game for you know when the Bills are on offense, oh, that's fun. So I'll take it. All right, that works. Yeah, I mean, there are worse. Yeah, there are worse and, outcomes. And, and, you, know. you know, it's always interesting when you get a rookie in their first start thrown into a fire, thrown into the fire against a team, a top team like the Bills, and now the best team the, in the NFL. Now they'll get the Bucks here. Um, so from the best team in the NFL to the best player in league history. Starting opposite him at quarterback, <laughs> tough scene. Yes, what I what I do like this for is the uh, the Steelers wide receivers. That's what I do like this for. I, me personally, I ain't gonna have a, too much problem actually ranking him 
because I ain't ranking him as no top 20 quarterback. I got him oh, right on the board. I got his QB 21. So we do, I, we, I we, do got the, we do got the buys. That's always going to play a factor. Maybe he doesn't throw 50. To, well, we know he – I don't think anybody going to average 50 throws per game, but maybe that number realistically is around 38 to 40 with how they're going to have to be playing these teams. The, the Pittsburgh defense is not what we've uh, grown accustomed to seeing, especially in the absence of T.J. Watt. The Bills just showed you that. Despite, you know, how, uh, you know, we know what the Bills represent – on both sides of the ball, but the team just got dog walked out here, you know. So it it'll if 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 Kenny Pickett could, you know, again that was his first start. Um, people saying he showed promise. He he just looked like a regular rookie to me. I don't know if there was promise. He didn't. He wasn't like the worst thing we ever seen. I've seen it, we've seen worse quarterbacks come through and make their first start. It, uh, it, it you know, was just simply. It's, it was simply a rookie quarterback making his first start and looked like a rookie. It wasn't nothing like, oh, he going to be this or he going to be that. It's just that, a rookie quarterback. If he could get these dudes, these playmakers that he got some touchdowns, because we see Deontay Johnson still getting the elite target share. We love that. We see George Pickens on the rise, two straight games with eight targets and above 80 yards. We love that, too. So if we could just turn that into some touchdowns, see, now we talking. Uh but for now, and with the bye weeks included, probably hovering around that, you know, 20-ish quarterback range. Yeah, I think, Kyle, you kind of laid it out well where Kenny Pickett and Lawrence, you hinted at this too, 50 attempts probably isn't realistic. 38 to 40 is probably pretty highly realistic where, as we talked about earlier, the show the Steelers can't run the ball right now. It's really hard to run in general against the Bucks. still. They're going to be trailing the entire game. It should be another pretty high attempts game. You like high attempts, at least when you have weapons. It's this sorry scene at quarterback, right? I mean, the QB, here's just the initial QB, uh, QB 11 to 20 ranks real quick. Geno Smith, Aaron Rodgers, Russell Wilson, Carson Wentz, Jimmy Garoppolo, Trevor Lawrence, Stafford, Matt Ryan, Zach Wilson, Justin Fields. Then I have Kenny Pickett. Like it is, you could honestly make an argument for Kenny Pickett to be like in the top 15. Yeah, exactly. I was thinking, like, if you say he's, like, better than Carson Wentz, has better weapons than Carson Wentz, especially with Jahan Dotson maybe banged up, uh, like, if you just think all that looks better than Carson Wentz, like, yeah, he's Carson Wentz. I buy that you think some other middle-of-the-road yeah, yeah. quarterback so that's is the thing. better. Yeah. yeah, you could make the argument, but also, like, Lawrence, like, yeah, I mean, I don't know, man. He didn't really actually look that good or anything. Yeah, he threw the ball a lot. <laughs> yeah. That's what happened. He threw a lot of passes, and when you throw 50 times – you should throw for 300 yards. Yeah. I will say he's a viable streamer this week, even though it's a bad matchup. Uh, just based on attempts alone, you got to call him a, a viable streamer this week. Uh, the Bucks not allowing a ton of quarterback fantasy points, but uh, it could be like the old Eli days. Just get us home garbage time. Bring it home. Bring it home. Yeah, right, right. We'll end the show talking about tight ends, Lawrence. You have someone who we liked. Uh, it was kind of a life hack for a while. Then Joe Flacco went out, and then suddenly this person caught zero passes in week five. Who, who are we concerned about here at tight end? Uh, it's it's going to be Tyler Conklin, man. I actually, during that game, I had to make sure he didn't get hurt, you know. But it was just, it was just simply the Jets didn't have to throw the ball a, a lot. 21 passing attempts for Zach Wilson. They 
rolled over the Dolphins with a third-string quarterback. He came into week four as the eighth-best tight end in fantasy. He's now, you know, he's still a you know a tight end one, you know, coming in at twelfth uh, ranked at, at the position. But now I don't know exactly where to rank him because. Is his lack of production due to how that game script went? Or is it because we got Zach Wilson back now and this is just how it's going to be? Um, five catches for 52 uh, in week four is not bad at all. But that those numbers kept declining. That declined from the week before when we had eight for 84. So now my question that, that I'm asking myself is like, all right, is this just back to the regular old no-name run around and block people Tyler Conklin? Yeah, I think I'm going to lean towards – I'm keeping him in the top 10 this week, just as tight end 10, and that's just initially. But I do think – so we saw the initial hit without Joe Flacco in week four, but like you said, Lawrence, it was at least like a usable game. I do think week five was mostly about the other team's starting quarterback got hurt on literally the first play. And then they were just able to dictate the pace of play for four quarters. They only attempt 21 passes. Like bad as the Packers have looked right now, I don't think the Jets are going to survive by attempting only 21 passes. I mean, the Packers do have a soft run defense. So I guess there is a concern that maybe the Jets, who've really kind of gotten the run game cooking, could take over the game on the ground. But it's hard to see Zach Wilson below 30 attempts this week. And if it's hard to see Zach Wilson below 30 attempts, I think you can at least give – four or five of those targets at the bare minimum to Tyler Conklin, <laughs> maybe six to seven. And a tight end is just, it's just crazy right now. Like, yeah, I, I, I couldn't go tight end. These yeah. are the it, options. It's the short. concerning thing for me is Tom, that, just real quick. It's Evan Ingram, Hayden Hurst, yes, Tunyon, yes. Irv Smith, Dalton Schultz, Hunter Henry, yes. Will Disley. Like it's one more or two more of those. There are like five guys in there you named. I think the concerning thing for me, CJ Uzoma ran more routes than uh, Tyler Conklin last week. That was the concern. Yeah, that was a concern at the start of the season. Uzoma got a little banged up, and then he came back like two or three weeks ago, but really wasn't playing that much. And it seemed, you know, to me, you can at least tell yourself that he was banged up early in the season. Now he's coming back. They're scaling his roll up, scaling his roll up, and it's a full tight end by committee. And on top of that, I wouldn't have even felt comfortable with him as a top 10 tight end had CJ Ozoma just didn't exist. He just retired because I have just a, a bias towards the fact that Garrett Wilson is really good. Elijah Moore might be good. And Corey Davis is very good. He's, and the, res- the running backs are great receivers out of the backfield, both of them, frankly, as we saw with like the 70-some-odd yard catch that then resulted in a Michael Carter touchdown plunder for like the Don't ninth time that day. But like he's like the fifth or sixth best pass catcher on this team, and it's a team that I don't think is going to be that effective at throwing the football because they have Zach Wilson. So that was before C.J. Ozoma got a bunch of snaps, ran more routes last week. I don't even think I'll have him ranked like a top 20 tight end. Uh, maybe he'll get like 17, oh, man. but he looks like a full committee tight end I mean, that, last week. Look, but hey, both of y'all, if you – Pat got him at 10, Kyle, you won't regular. That was without doing 20. a deep dive. Both of those can be real things. <laughs> both of those could be very real. I picked up Tyler Conklin in one of my leagues to hopefully get three more points than what Kyle Pitts gave me every week, and he gave me nothing. <laughs> a stunning tribute to Kyle Pitts as he did nothing. I miss him Pitts. now. I want them three points. Man, I wonder. Hopefully, Kyle Pitts comes back this week, or at least I don't know if he will. I mean, no, do we, do I don't. No, no, no. Don't make me start Kyle Pitts for four <laughs> points again. I don't want him to come back. Uh, come back next year. <laughs> man, yeah, I hadn't done a deep dive in tight end yet. Yeah, I didn't realize that CJ Uzama was man. 
I didn't need to hear that. That kind of ruined my day, just to be honest. Um, you like, you're now, welcome. Now you want to rank them at tight end 24, too. Yeah, I might not. I, mean, I don't know, man. I'm probably still going to rank them ahead of a lot of these guys, <laughs> a lot of these clowns. <laughs> uh, not a good position right now. Where do you have Taysom Hill ranked? Uh, I, wanted, I wanted you to ask me about tight end so I could ask you about that. Friggin' tight end eight. Let's go. <laughs> that, what, what do you mean? That's it? Right. Well, I mean, it has been – he's got the zero-point floor is kind of the problem. <laughs> it's so or, weird. I had, like, no clue to do with him. He got, like, what, I think eight carries last week. Like, what is the average really good – like, what is Debo Samuel average on eight carries? If it's, like, five yards a carry, that's 40 yards. I think he has one target this, this year. He so, has like, literally one target. So – and maybe one pass, pass, maybe two. So it's, like, you – it's it's the Tony Pollard thing where, like, well, and, and really you're projecting Taysom Hill for, like, four carries, but, like – his efficiency is really good. He's really good at football. So, and tight end sucks. Tight end's terrible. That's so, he's not a tight end. That's the problem. He should yeah. be the number one ranked tight end for the next three years. There uh, we go. So he even played a snap at tight he, end. He, he like 32 years old. He ain't no young dude. Like oh, he's, he, he would fit right in on this show. Uh, he, <laughs> yeah. For Kyle. Yeah. He would be, uh, he's definitely Lawrence and Pat age. So <laughs> he's always older than you think. Taysom man. Like, however old you think he is, add two years is how old Taysom Hill is. Still explosive, though. Yeah, you got to give him credit. <laughs> he's the most triggering player in the history of fantasy football, but he's also kind of good. You just got to give him credit. You got to give us credit for pumping out a good show today. Hit on a lot of rankings, conundrums. We'll continue to do that all week. Uh, Kyle's got his stats article coming out. Lawrence has his flex article coming out. Uh, my rankings article coming out. You guys have Q and A's, right? We got a bunch of stuff. We got all sorts of stuff. We're gonna be talking about rankings all week. Um, we got the we got the Monday night pregame Q and A, Thursday night pregame Q and A, both on NFL on NBC YouTube. So check it all out. Check out everything on the site. Check out our news updates. It's a weird week at running back. Got some injury situations to monitor, especially in Arizona. Um, so for Lawrence Jackson, for Kyle Dvorak. I'm Patrick Darty. Thanks for listening. We'll be back later this week. Dogs are an important part of our lives. That means protecting them from parasites. Ask your vet about NexGuard Plus, a Foxaloner, Moxidectin, and Pyrantal chewable tablets. NexGuard Plus chews provide one-and-done monthly protection against fleas, ticks, heartworm disease, roundworms, and hookworms. Plus, they're delicious and easy to give. Use with caution in dogs with a history of seizures or neurologic disorders. Dogs should be tested for existing heartworm infection prior to starting a preventive. Ask about NextGuard Plus Choose. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.